0: Turn to your Bibles, and what I'm going to ask you to do today is uh, look in your Bibles to, uh, we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture, and we're actually going to flip a little bit back and forth. So uh, the main passage I'd like you to turn to is Ephesians chapter 1, but while you're preparing for the sermon here, Romans 8 and Revelation 21 are two other passages that we're going to look at. We're also going to put a lot of passages on the screen above us. And uh, I'm going to take a break, as it were, from the series on Matthew. And I'm going to preach out of uh, Ephesians 1, just on one concept, one word. And uh, I, this would be kind of a trailer, I think, a little bit. Uh, trailer for us old people is a preview. Um, we, I don't know where that word trailer came from. We used to always call it previews. You'd see a preview of a movie or something like that. And, and Lord willing... Uh, if, it, if this is the Lord's will, in my thinking at this point, um, after the book of Matthew, we're going to study the book of Ephesians. So we're going to look at a concept tonight, and what, I, uh, today, and what I'd like you to do is, as you're reading this passage, uh, be a little bit alerted for the word inheritance. That's what we're going to look at. So we're going to read Ephesians 1. I'm going to read Ephesians 1 for us. And before I read this, I want to say I've been actually having my devotions in this passage for about two months now. And I uh, can't get out of it. I'm, in fact, I'm not even at verse, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even halfway through it. But if I had to vote, if I had to vote for the greatest piece of literature ever written by human beings, um, I would vote for Ephesians 1. I, there's hands down, I would vote. It, for as wonderful as 1 Corinthians 13 is, and as wonderful as the end of Romans 8 is, I believe this is the most amazing piece of literature ever written by any human being ever. Of course, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I'm talking about humans. I'm not even talking about Greek or Latin. I'm talking about human beings. This chapter is the most amazing. We're at the summit. We're at the top. So please read it with that sense of anticipation. Now, I have to tell you, this chapter is also like riding a scooter through the Louvre. Um, the Louvre is the museum in France that has all of these great paintings that go back. And it'd be like buzzing a scooter through it. and going. Like this. I mean, beautiful doctrines come at you very, very fast here. But just try to, just try to absorb this whole thing as, as we're listening to it. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, holy and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until the redemption, uh, until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality. And power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray together. Father, help us, we pray. Come to us now, we ask. Open our eyes. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may see and understand what you have blessed us with, how wonderful you have blessed us, who we are as your people and what we have coming. Help us, we pray. Come in the power of your Holy Spirit and work and move, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Christians should be filled to overflowing. Ah, filled to overflowing with hope, with hope. We should be filled with hope. We should have eagerness about us, expectation. We should have excitement about us, hope. Christians should be filled with hope, and that hope should make us steadfast and confident. We should be people who stride through life like titans, Filled with hope, filled with confidence, even when life is bad, we're supposed to be people who are filled with joy, joy, and joy even in darkness. Joy that makes Paul sing in a prison cell, joy that leads to endurance. Ah, I'm I'm, in joy that can you you think of joy and hope like that that leads to endurance? Ah, Pressing on. Oh no, I'm pressing on. I ain't getting down. I'm moving forward. We should be people that be filled with joy and hope. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, what should what's the source of our joy and our hope? Well, we're going to focus on one of the sources of our joy and our hope, and that's our inheritance. Our inheritance. The Bible speaks of our inheritance. Now, let me illustrate this for you, just just the beginning. Now, and I don't like to do illustrations that is that involve large amounts of money and getting large amounts of money because actually the bible has kind of a negative view toward that that money is the root of lots of evil and that seeking after wealth will lead to terrible things in your life and so that you know wealth is a blessing if it comes but it also comes with a lot of handicaps it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for it's easier for a, 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 a camel to go through the eye of a needle that all being said let i'm, I'm going to give you an illustration. So. These illustrations are like parables. Just take what you're supposed to take out of them the best. But imagine, imagine somebody, a caretaker, coming to a, a young man or young woman. Um, they're just about to turn 21, and it's a caretaker because their parents are dead. And this caretaker says to you, I was instructed to tell you on the eve of your 21st birthday that tomorrow as you turn 21 that you are going to inherit a billion dollars. Your father and mother didn't want you to know about this so that you would develop character, but you will eventually inherit a billion dollars at at the age of 30. Now, tomorrow, as you turn 21, you will be given a check for $250,000, okay? When you turn 25, you will be given a check for $750,000, all right? And then when you turn 30, you will be given a billion dollars, all right? Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, if I was just about to turn 21, I'd be like, yes, wow, yippee, whoo, it's all done, I don't have to worry about anything now, I don't have to worry about money, I don't have to worry about debt, I don't have to worry about my bills, ah, this is great. You could be generous. Let's hope this is a really good kid. Let's hope that they, they didn't tell them until he or she was 21 so they would develop some character and this person would be generous, this person would be kind. But, this, but you would have a lot of money. A billion dollars is a lot of money. In fact, you might say, well, wait a minute, you're giving me all this money. You're giving me 250000 and then you're giving me 750000 That's a million dollars. And say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's only a million dollars. See, if you have a billion dollars, do you know how many million dollars you have? You have a thousand millions, so you 're going to get one of your thousand millions before you get thirty. there's a ton of it. in fact, if you have a billion dollars, you can be very generous. you, you, you don 't have to worry about money. Hey, somebody just sued you for ten million dollars. You know what let 's not go to court that 's going to be a headache. Just pay them. here you go. What's well, ten million dollars? I know, but that 's nothing i got. I have a $1,000 million. (laughs) You know, that's nothing. No problem. That's what it would be like to have an inheritance like this. Well, dear friends, we have an inheritance that makes this chump change. We do. We do. And that's what I want to look at today. I hope to just kind of brand in our brains today, burn upon our hearts today, one concept. You have an inheritance coming. Look at Ephesians chapter one and verse eighteen. This is a prayer. This is what Paul is praying, and he says this: that the eyes of your hearts. Now I'm gonna. I know the New King James says understanding. A better translation there would be hearts. That the eyes of your hearts would would be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope. Here's this idea of hope, of his calling. And then notice next: what are the? Listen to the words: the riches of the glory of his inheritance. In the saints, you and I have an inheritance coming, an inheritance. He's already mentioned this two other times in this chapter. Look at verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, an inheritance. Look at verse 14. Who, that's the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get to this, is the guarantee. This is the 250 thou that comes first, the 750 thou that comes first before the inheritance. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? So you see, dear Christians, we have an inheritance coming. Question then, why are we getting an inheritance? Why are we getting an inheritance? And the answer is we are getting an inheritance because we have been adopted as God's children. Look at verse 5, having been predestined to, uh, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We are, we have been adopted as God's children and as God's children, children are heirs. Children then naturally become heirs and we are heirs because we're children. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says this, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, notice that. If a son, then an heir. If you're a son of God, you're an heir. Now, notice this, an heir of God. I'm going to come back to that phrase. And then notice the next thing, through Christ. I'm going to come back to that phrase. But here, we're just simply making the point, if you're a son, you're an heir. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And stay marked in Ephesians 1 because we're coming back there. Uh, we're going to keep flipping. But Romans chapter 8, notice the very similar thing is being said here. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. There it is. If children, then heirs. Then he goes on. Heirs of God. We're going to see that in a few minutes. And joint heirs with Christ. We're going to see that in a few minutes. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. So we are heirs of God. Now back to Ephesians, and you'll notice that we, we are heirs of God through Christ or by Christ, what Christ has done for us. Ephesians 1 5, having been predestined to adoption by son, uh, as sons by or through, some of your Bibles say, Jesus Christ to himself. Now, notice verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, notice here then, we have been made heirs. Why? Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, took on flesh, died in our place, and with his blood he purchased us. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought us out of the slavery of sin. He cleansed and washed us of all of our sin. We were justified in the sight of God in that sense. And then having been cleansed and washed and justified through Jesus Christ, we are adopted as God's children. And we enter into a new relationship with God of sonship. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And if we are sons and daughters of the living God, then we inherit out of Him. Is amazing wealth. All right? That's the doctrine. So, why are we getting an inheritance? Because we are the children of God and we are going to get an inheritance. What is the inheritance? That's kind of funny that I'm asking. I feel kind of odd asking this question right now because. Believe it or not, in 1973, and yes, kids, we were we some of us were living back then. There was log cabins everywhere, and there was, you know, it was terrible. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago, but um, in 1973, I was a new Christian and I was at a, a, a Bible conference. I was a junior in high school, I was in a Bible conference down in Pittsburgh. The preacher was doing a great job, great guy. And and the, the word inheritance kept coming up the text, and I went up to him <laughs> and I said to him had a question I said, what is our inheritance? And it was kind of funny because I'm sitting there asking him this question and I could tell immediately that he didn't have the answer. Like he was like, it was like, I, I never really thought about that. What is actually our inheritance? And he, he threw out a few things and, but I never got the answer. I never really got the answer. And, and that's why I'm, I'm asking the question, what is our inheritance? What will we inherit? Now I didn't I failed to put one of the verses up on the board and I'm under strict order to not do it late, so I'm gonna try to be a good boy and just read it to you. So here we go. I'm gonna answer the question in in one word. What is our inheritance? And the answer is everything. Everything. Listen to what Paul says here, just to kind of prime the pump here. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, <clears throat> therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, he says. He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Everything we are going to inherit everything because we are inheriting things in Christ Jesus. Look back again at Ephesians 1. Notice verse 10. Paul says this, that in the dispensation, (coughs) excuse me, in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ Both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. God is gathering all things together in Christ, and Christ is ours, and we're going to have all things through Christ. That's the meaning of this. Look at chapter uh, 1, verse uh, 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, and look at the focus here to the church. It could also be translated for the church. He has been given all things for us, for us. And then look at chapter 2. <clears throat> look at chapter 2. Oh, wait, wait. Let me, let me hold off on that for a second. What is involved in the all things? What is involved in the all things? Well, let's throw out some. Matthew 5, 5. Jesus said this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, we're going to inherit the earth. That's what's going to happen here. What else? Well, Matthew 19, 29, Jesus said this, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. We're going to inherit eternal life. Or how about this, Hebrews 1.14, are they all ministering spirits, that's talking about angels, sent forth to minister to those who shall inherit salvation? We shall inherit salvation. We're going to inherit all things. The earth will be ours, eternal life will be ours, salvation will be ours, everything. But I find it summed up the best, and it's most helpful to sum it up this way. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God over all things. And God is reestablishing his kingdom because the rebellion has taken place. He's reestablishing and reordering and rechanging and making new. And He's, when this kingdom is established, he is giving this kingdom to us. Listen to Jesus' excitement in Matthew 25, 34. He's telling a parable, but he's talking about the king. But I, I feel like this is Jesus' excitement to help us get excited about our inheritance. It says this, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world we are going to inherit the kingdom of God. Let's get a feel for this. Turn with me to Revelation 21, the very uh, very, second to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. And listen to how this passage draws all of this stuff together. Revelation 21. John has this final, it's really one of his final revelations, as it were, in the book of Revelation. It says this, Now I saw a new heaven, And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, uh, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold. The tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to he who thirsts. There's that eternal life we're going to inherit. He who overcomes shall inherit, here we go, all things. We inherit everything. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. See, dear friends, this is the end goal of history. The end goal of history is that we would inherit the kingdom, a new heavens and a new earth. Think about this. Think about what our inheritance is. We are going to be in a perfectly restored creation. This creation here is terribly flawed, as beautiful as it is. It's terribly flawed by sin. Sin which leads to corruption and disease and death, that is all going to be gone. Nothing will corrode, nothing will corrupt, nothing will die, nothing will get sick, nothing will do. It's going to be an absolutely perfectly new heaven and earth. And feel new. Have you ever been in a, have you ever been in a, a new house? that that, that nobody's even moved into yet and the carpet is new and the paint is new and the windows are new and everything is absolutely perfect and beautiful and new, the whole creation is going to be like that, never to grow old. It'll be new and fresh every day. And we will be in this creation with perfectly restored bodies. We will be we will be we will be have heavenly bodies that can smell and eat and taste and touch and laugh. We will have these new resurrected bodies bodies that are prepared for and enabled for this this new creation, these bodies could never last in an eternal. And even if we had these bodies in a new heavens and new earth, they're, going to, they're falling apart. We're going to have new bodies. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, in the passage having to do with the resurrected body, Paul says this in verse 50. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, this thing, can't inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Notice notice the idea of inheritance there. But, you know, in that Ephesians, in that Revelation 21, do you see, did you catch the greatest thing about our inheritance? Oh, man, a new universe, a new body, new, new creation, new heavens and earth, new body, no sin, no corruption. God is in their midst. we are called heirs of God. What does that mean? Well you know back in the Old Testament as a lot of this stuff was being prefigured, all of the tribes of Israel, Dan and Judah and those, all of those tribes got a portion of land. but the Levites did not get a portion of land. they were not given any portion of land and in Deuteronomy 10:9 it says this, Therefore, Levi has no portion or nor inheritance with his brethren. See, the land was considered an inheritance. For the Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. Levi had, they were the Levitical priests. They had the temple. They worshiped God. They, They were able to go into the presence of God. Their inheritance was the Lord. Dear ones, in Revelation 21, it says, and God will dwell in in our midst. We will inherit God. And this is why, turn back to Ephesians chapter one, this is why Paul calls it this. Notice at the end of verse 18, he prays that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we might know the hope, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Dear friends, we are going to share in a glorious inheritance. We are going to be in a new heavens and a new earth in these new glorified bodies. These bodies that are glorified as Jesus' body is glorified. And we are going to have face-to-face interaction, worship, fellowship, family time, as it were, with God. And we are going to have a status, a status that is just well above angels we are going to be the masters of the universe. Now, I don't want to belittle this like with the Marvel stuff, And although I think there's something about the human imagination and all of that stuff that we come up with, these masters of the universe and this and that. That pales in insignificance as to what we are going to be. We are going to be the masters of the universe. We are going to own the universe. We are going to own all of the planets, all of the stars we have inherited. We are going to own the new heavens and new earth. We are going to be eternal beings with eternal and glorified bodies, and we are going to dwell face-to-face with our Father God God in his house are many mansions and we are going to dwell with him. And we are going to be joint heirs with Christ. And we are going to be Lords as it were with Christ. As we seat upon the throne with him in his majesty. And we are going to be these people. We are going to be, we are going to have powers beyond what we can imagine. We're going to be glory beyond what we can imagine. And the beauty is going to be what beyond what we can imagine. The green grass, the green trees will be greener than we can even see. It pr- its brilliance would probably kill us in these bodies because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom. The, the, the sky and and and, and, and s- the smells and the tastes and the joy that we will experience. And and, and and the and the understanding of God and seeing who he is and growing and, and exponentially and in, in knowing him and who he is and, and fellowshipping and delighting with Christ and serving God in his temple and worshiping him, all we will be the masters of the universe the angels will be in awe of us and that's what the Bible teaches it's going to be glory and that's why Paul was praying that the Holy Spirit would help us to understand what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints this is to be a powerful motivation for us question well not question yeah question but then concern no concern before question Todd, this sounds like fantasy. This sounds like fantasy. How do I know this is true? Great question. Listen, let me give you several reasons. Number one, God sent his son to die. That's no little thing. God sent his son to die. What do you think the end game to that's going to be? Big. Big way big way bigger than we can imagine god sent his son to die to redeem us to adopt us to give us an inheritance man that's got to be big our imaginations are too small i've painted too too blurry a picture The brilliance is going to be amazing. And that's why Paul is saying, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you to understand and be filled with this hope of what is actually going to come and know the riches of the glory of this. God sent his son to die. Secondly, Jesus is experiencing everything I just described right now. Jesus Christ was born of Mary and he was a little kid and he grew up and he was a man and he had flesh and bones just like we had and he went to work as a carpenter and he went to work building and he had to do things. He had to sleep and he had to eat and he worked hard and he had cows on his hand and he was just a guy from a little podunk town called Nazareth and it was even a hated town and he died and he was crucified and he was buried and now he's glorious He's above every name that could be named. He's there in glory. He's in a resurrected physical body. We got a little glimpse of it on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then John got a glimpse of it that caused him to pass out in Revelation chapter 1. But look at Ephesians chapter 1. Notice what it says here. It says this. It says that he, look at verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So here's a dead human body. He raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might. Jesus is there now. He's there in glory. He's in his Father's presence at his right hand. And then look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And Jesus is, as it were, his empty tomb, his resurrection, his ascension, and our relationship with him, our union with him, our trusting in him, our oneness in him, our being in Christ makes this going to be real for us. Look at chapter two. This is why I was afraid of jumping ahead earlier. Look at chapter two and verse six, how Paul uses this language. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's all past tense. We're already there because Christ our head is there and he's coming he's coming and dear friends this is ours so that's another reason why this is true but then look again in Ephesians chapter 1 we already have a down payment look at verse 13 in him you also trusted after having heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise Who is a guarantee? And that word means a down payment, guarantee money, the first installment of payment that is to come. Who is a guarantee of our inheritance and the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Dear friends, do you have a new heart? Have you been born again? Are you a different person? Do you see the Bible different than you used to see? Do you see Christ differently than you used to see? Do you see the cross differently than you used to see? Did you Do you see the world differently than you used to see and say, you know what? I'm kind of done with you. I want to know God. I want to know him. I want to live. I want to pray. Do you see worship differently than you see it? Are you a new person inside? Not perfect, but new. Are you a new person inside? Dear friends, that's the down payment. You're already on your way. <laughs> That's the kingdom. It broke in. It's changed you. It's made you alive. You're in. This is going to happen. This is going to play out. And it's even being preserved for you. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, there we are born again, to a living hope. There's the word hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then one other thing that should make this real to us is look at Ephesians 1.18, back to our verse. Paul is praying for them that the Holy Spirit would help them to understand the riches of Of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Dear friends, when this reality grips you, when this reality grips you of what our inheritance actually is and what is going to happen, and more and more that grips your heart, more and more you're gonna find that it becomes a source of hope for you. It becomes a source of joy, of steadiness, of excitement of knowing that the world's falling apart. we got a pandemic. What's going to happen to the economic thing? We have riots in the street. <laughs> Just heading through, man. Just heading through. I'm heading through to glory. I'm heading through to the kingdom. Christ is coming again. New heavens and new earth. All that stuff will be taken care of. I'm going there. I have this hope. This is my hope. The world's falling apart. What are we going to do? There's nothing left. I don't know. I might lose my job. You know what? I got hope, man. I got an inheritance being said. I got a down payment. This is going to be amazing. My billion dollars is coming. That's what this means. And you know what, dear friends? strangely, the people who grip this the most seem to be the people who have the least in this world. I have never seen the hope of heaven, the hope of glory, exuberantly celebrated as I have in dirt floor churches with barefooted people and corrugated roof ceilings who have almost nothing in the Dominican Republic and in Africa. But then you open up your Bible and you say, wait a minute, this is making perfect sense. James chapter 2 and verse 5 says this. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? God delights in, in saving the poor. And the, and the poor, they, they, this world doesn't offer them anything. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking. Paul writes to Colossians' slaves and tells them this, Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Keep looking above, keep looking forward, it's coming. We've got this amazing inheritance. Be hopeful, have joy. And that's why the Christians could bless each other like this. In Acts 20, 32, Paul blesses the believers, and he says this. Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's the way Christians blessed each other. Dear ones, the inheritance is coming. Be blessed, be blessed. No, the inheritance is coming it's coming. It's ours. Dear ones, let me encourage you. Think upon these things. Study this thing out. Pray this prayer for yourself and others. Lord, help me to know the riches of the glory of the inheritance that is coming to me as a saint. And you'll find that as you pray about these things, you'll find that as, as these things become real, as you meditate upon these things, you'll find joy beginning to develop in your heart. You'll find hope beginning to, 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 to flow through you. You'll find that this will give you a steady confidence, even in the midst of things falling apart. Pray for one another. Pray that we would know these things. Pray and realize that we live in a culture that is awful, I believe that secularism is the most awful worldview that's ever been propagated upon man. It is more awful than than all the other false religions because it just deals with eating and drinking and sex and pleasure and buying and money. And this is all we have. That's why when a pandemic comes, like, oh, we might lose it all. All of our gods have failed us and we're gonna lose it all. Dear ones, don't be influenced by that. Don't be influenced by that and drawn away from the hope of the kingdom of God. And then finally, let me say this, get there, get there. Don't let anything stop you from getting into the kingdom of God. Get there. Don't let sin, don't let this culture, don't let other sins, don't let anything stop you from getting there. Flip to Ephesians 5 and listen to this. Ephesians five verse three. We live in a world where hey, it's cool to do this, it's cool to do that, it's cool to sleep with this person, it's cool to speak with all that foul. Hey, this is cool, this is hip, this is cool. And some Christians are being deceived into this. Look at Ephesians chapter five and verse three. But fornication and all uncleanness, or covetousness—buy, buy, buy. Get, I gotta have, I gotta have. Let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. You're the masters of the universe. You're the peace, children of God. This stuff shouldn't even be named among you. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Do let no one deceive you with these empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of men." Dear ones, get there. Don't let anybody stop you. And if trials and tribulations and difficulties come into your life, expect them. Don't worry. Fight through them. Get to the kingdom. Fight your way into the kingdom. Barnabas said in Acts 14, as he was speaking to the disciples, it says, and strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Bring it on. Bring it on. I don't care what it is. I'm getting in that kingdom. I'm getting in that kingdom. And even if you have to go it alone, go alone. If, if, if spouse won't come with you, if children won't come with you, if parents won't come with you, if friends won't come with you, too bad, go alone. Get into that kingdom. Finish well. Finish well. And no matter how much you suffer, it's going to be worth it. Revelation 8.18 8, 18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If your body is wracked in pain, I think of Reuben. I think of Phyllis. I think of our dear brother Ray Webker right now, body wracked in pain. If they were here, I would say to them, keep pressing on. Hopefully they're listening. Keep pressing on. Get there. It's gonna be worth it. Think of those, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in prison right now in China, 25-year sentence hanging over them, hard labor. Oh, dear ones, pray for them. Keep moving. Keep faithful. It's coming. If the culture despises you as Christians, don't worry. Don't worry. Keep going. Keep going. I'm going to go. If if Christians become the most hated people in the world, I don't care. I'm moving forward. I was really touched last Sunday night when the the young people, including little Billy and little Lee, uh, were, were, were singing and playing up here. They were playing the old rugged cross, and sometimes just a, a, a phrase just hits you anew and afresh. And it was this The old rugged cross, I will ever be true. It was this phrase It's shame and reproach gladly bear. And as they sang that on Sunday night, that hit me again, and I thought, I love Jesus. I love the cross. I love what Christ has done. I love who Christ is. I will gladly, gladly take the shame and and curse and reproach that comes from being with him. I don't care what this culture throws at me. I'm never separating from him and I'm getting into that kingdom. Dear ones, if you're tired, if you're weary, press on, press on. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us afar, more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Are there any unbelievers here? Are there any children here who... You're, you're resisting becoming a Christian. You don't want to follow along with what your parents are saying. This doesn't interest you. This isn't where you're at. Are there any spouses here? You're brought here because your, 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 your other spouse brought you to come here, but you're not really. You're not looking forward to this kingdom. You could care less about this stuff. Are there any, any teens here who are just unbelieving, pushing, pushing away? Is there anyone here who has a hard heart and, is, and is, is, has some sin that you're, that, you're, that you're feasting on, you're feasting on as if, as if, and your whole world is wrapped around this one sin? Dear ones, listen to Revelation 21.8. After Jesus just said, come, come freely, come into my kingdom, behold, I give you all things. Verse eight, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh dear ones, when we enter into that kingdom and you are shut out, the doors are shut, the invitation is over, oh dear ones, don't miss the kingdom, come to Christ, come to Christ. I pray that your eyes are opened to come to see Jesus. Before we pray and before we go to this table, I want to add one final thought. This table that we're about to eat has been eaten consistently week by week, month by month, year by year for 2,000 years. It was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ and Christians have taken encouragement, thousands, perhaps millions will take it even this day with us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that bread and that cup has many reasons, but one of them is this. Listen to these wonderful words. Luke 22:17 and 18. Then he took up the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Dear friends, is this all a fantasy? I gave you a lot of reasons why no. And and the last one is this. I left it for last. This table is a promise. That kingdom is coming because Jesus is going to eat this table with us in the kingdom. It's coming because he's coming. Get in it. It's going to be glorious. And in the meantime, let it fill your heart with hope. Strengthen your backbone with steel. Motivate you to live for him and to glorify him and to honor him and fill you with joy. Even when the world around you is sad and scared, you be filled with joy. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, after looking at what you've given to us, this inheritance, oh, our dear Father, that you would not only adopt us, but then say, I'm gonna make you amazingly rich and glorious. We thank you. We praise you. We don't have enough words. Eternity will seem not even long enough for us to give you praise, to give you thanks. Thank you for this kingdom. Thank you. Thank you for what you've offered us. Thank you for our inheritance. And thank you for reminding us today that we have this glorious inheritance. Thank you. Oh, dear Lord, if there's any here who don't, any children who are afraid to go to hell, any teenagers who've been woke up by your, by your Holy Spirit to the true awakening, anyone who says, wait a minute, I don't have this hope. Oh, I pray, draw them to your son. Help them to see that all they have to do is flee into his loving arms. Help them, I pray. Help them to turn from this world and their sin. Help them to turn to you. Save them, I pray. And, Father, for the rest of us, fill us with hope. Forgive us for our complaining. Forgive us for whining. Forgive us for our unbelief. Forgive us for being caught up into this world. Give us eyes to see this kingdom. Fill us, we pray, with a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know the riches of the glory of our inheritance in you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.